a lot of times some of the things that people are using that they're being told are these like awesome fast edge data things are actually just kind of like vaporware. You actually have to benchmark these things to find out what they're doing. The ability for developers to connect in real time and share knowledge and collaborate, I think that's really great. That's a huge part of open source, huge part of just DevRel. And so now I can like do that with like the full backing of like a massive company behind me. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to another installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got, again, Anthony Campolo. Anthony, what is going on? Hey, 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 Ryan. Thanks so much for having me back. Third time. I think you said I'm tied for the most frequented guest at this point. Yeah, I think you're, you're tied now with Johanna Schickling, uh, who's the one of the co-founders of Prisma. But I want to talk about what you're doing on now, because you've been here a few times. And I think the first time you didn't have a job, uh, and then you got a job, and then you came on when you had the last job, and now you have a new job. So like, what are you doing now, Anthony? Well, this really brings it all full circle in a great way because the first time I was here, I was talking about Redwood and that's kind of how we got to know each other. I was trying to break into the industry and I got involved in this open source project, Redwood, and came their de facto DevRel person and was going out doing podcast interviews and meetups and all that. And then I got hired at StepZen to do GraphQL stuff. And then I decided to kind of pivot into the Web3 stuff. And we had a really great conversation about Web3. I was very thankful for that because it was very hard to find people in the Web2 world who wanted to talk to me about Web3. <laughs> it's, a, it's a contentious topic and people have a lot of strong feelings about it. I loved it. I learned a lot. I met great people and I still think the space has a lot of great things to do. The reason why I ended up deciding to pivot away from it was really nothing to do with Web3 itself and more to do with just my actual network because I also host FS Jam. And at this point, like I've had every single JavaScript framework creator on the show. So I like, I mean, like, you know, people like Ryan Carniato or people that I talk to on a regular basis now. So I felt very honored to have these close connections and people who trusted me and seemed to see me as peers. And I was just like, felt like I was starting totally from the bottom with Web3. I didn't have any connections. I was kind of learning all the tech. And all of my previous connections and friends were kind of like, ah, I don't really want to have anything to do with this. So I felt like I kind of bifurcated my life in a lot of ways. And you know, I just felt like I wanted to kind of consolidate it back. So when I was originally talking to QuickNote, I was also talking to Edgio at the same time. And Ishan at Edgeo, who's actually been on the show, we'll talk about him in a second, he contacted me and he was basically like, are you sure you don't want to work for Edgeo? And kind of restarted the conversation. And yeah, I was in a position where I could kind of like name my price and I felt like it would be a good move, both because I knew a lot of the people there already and I knew that I would get to work more on JavaScript frameworks and the whole deployment kind of stuff that I'd already gotten very deep in. And I'd actually already helped integrate Redwood into what was previously called Layer Zero, now is Edgeo. So I already even like knew the platform to a certain extent. So just all the pieces kind of fell into place. And I've been there only a month now, still pretty new. But um, yeah, so that's, that's what I'm doing now. And, and Edgeo for, um, didn't really say it yet, but it's uh, 
I would call it it's an enterprise Jamstack solution. I think it's probably the simplest, cleanest way, at least for, for this audience. It's like Vercel or Netlify, but way doper and for way bigger, faster, more high stakes, more performance oriented sites. Okay, yeah, I definitely want to dig into that. I think that that sort of enterprise Jamstack that is uh, right in our wheelhouse here on Jamstack Radio. Uh, just one of the really quick programming note for folks. Uh, Sean, his um, his episode is ninety, uh, so quite a few episodes ago, like almost, I guess, more than a year ago. What's funny is also on that episode he's talking about Limelight because Layer Zero merged with Limelight, so they were first called Layer Zero. Actually, they were first called MoveWeb. Then they changed to Layer Zero. Then they got bought by Limelight, so they're going by Limelight. And then Limelight and Layer Zero and Edgecast merged into a single company called Edgeo. So it's actually not only a deployment platform; it's also the top one or two largest CDNs and video streaming platforms in the world. Like we've been having this like whole like Super Bowl thing going on. It's like I see the team talking about the Super Bowl. Like I would never have people on steps in talking about the Super Bowl, you know. Well so how how big is this like <laughs> this Borg of, of companies? How many people work at Edgeo today? Um probably about fifteen hundred. Fifteen hundred? Okay. I for some reason I thought this was because I, I, my context is Sean, so I thought this was like still a new thing. I didn't realize there was like a difference between Layer Zero to Edgeo. So thanks for enlightening me. Yeah, it's a it's a publicly traded company. Like you can buy our stock right now. Wow, that is amazing. Like I, you know, the more you know, and definitely want to dig in. So like, I was thinking of Edgeo as like edge computing. So like, it's more than just edge computing then at this point. Yeah, the edge computing is a big part of it. The reason why we lean into that in particular is because. The same reason we had the name Layer Zero for a while, which is that we have our own network. Like this is not us just building on top of AWS or Cloudflare. Like we are our own network, and we have more pops than anybody. Points of presence, and I am going to slightly butcher this, but we also connect more directly with the ISPs themselves. So there's a way that the traffic is routed that actually makes us like fundamentally faster than some others. So there's just like there's some really, really deep tech that lets us be very, very like legit, which I it was very interested in because it's like I've been using all these deployment platforms for a while and the DX is super sweet, but I always knew there was kind of compromises that went along with it. Like you know that when you use Netlify or Cell, you usually kind of have this idea that you're eventually going to end up migrating to like Amazon or or something like that. But with this, like you, you wouldn't migrate anywhere. Like you get a really nice deployment paradigm, you get your site up, but then you're on one of the fastest, most legit networks in the world. So like you're you're just already there and set. Yeah, and that's a, it's one of the things. Um, so I, I wonder because like we're currently going to um, we're we actually are moving to AWS for some infrastructure stuff. And uh, we've leveraged some other Jamstack tools that have really got us to where we are today. But like the things we want to do, so like for example, uh, open source, we we currently are indexing a lot of GitHub repos. By uh, it doesn't matter. If the, I won't share our secret sauce. You can definitely hit me up <laughs> later. Uh, but basically, what I'm getting at is like we're we're indexing all this data. We want to do magical things with the data that identify you know this point to this date, like what happened, and answer a bunch of questions. And our, our limitation is like when we were using this hosted Postgres solution. We couldn't really dig in to what we needed to, and like we needed to like we needed Elasticsearch and Elasticsearch to like migrate from a hosted version like a Jamstack solution. Uh, it became a little more cumbersome, and I w- it was sad to like leave the the tool that got us to where we are today. But uh, for us to move faster, we had to make that decision. So, are you saying that with Edgeo, 
like I can do a little more custom configurations and you know choose my own adventure. Yeah, I mean, we don't run like databases, so that would still be a thing. You would have like your your data would be persisted in like a database somewhere, but it's gives you everything else. Gives you like SSR, gives you edge functions, gives you static. And what's kind of interesting is the way that I'd heard Ishan describe it a lot is that he would describe it like if you imagine the Jamstack, but instead of static first, it's server SSR first because it's based more around saying like we want to give you this deployment paradigm where you're just doing like git push and then you get your thing, you get deployment branches and all that stuff, but it's not doing a static build. Like they actually don't run static builds at all. They have a CLI that you can use if you want to do a static build, but for the most part you're actually uploading stuff to their servers and they have their own conventions around like a route file and things like that. That's where you can get really fine-grained like cache management, so you can configure all your cache headers. And for that stuff, it can be challenging if you want to like do it from scratch. But what's really cool is that we have integrations with every single framework. Like if you go to our website at etg.io and check out the docs, there'll be you'll see like forty frameworks. You know all the the classics, and we have a distinction between what we call like tier one and tier two frameworks. So tier one is like full support. We keep up with the new releases and. We're always basically like on the hottest. So things like Next.js is going to be the, the kind of standard for that. And back in the day, they actually invented their own framework called React Storefront. This is not a very well-known framework, but it was a way <laughs> I do to remember this. Yeah, it's a way to implement partial hydration in Next.js. And it was like actually making an e-commerce ready solution for React. So yeah, it's so it's just the whole thing about enterprise performance and I really thought this was the way to go because I've seen this trend play out over the last couple of years where you have solid and quick and Marco is starting to become more popular where JavaScript devs get that performance is a thing <laughs> that is an issue that we need to think about. So if our deployment platforms along with our frameworks can help, that's what we need. Because you can't just have a fast framework and okay deployment platform or a fast deployment platform and an okay framework. You need to have both of them now. Yeah, hundred percent. And like it's, um, you know, we were having this conversation before we hit record around the React ecosystem. And like, it's, is it going through a transition? Is it like, are we getting refocused efforts with Vercel? Like now, having the core team members now work for them. I'm curious. What, what can I just actually? You have so much like knowledge around the space because uh, I know you you're connected with Ryan and the solid team. Like, what's your what is your take on the current state of the JavaScript ecosystem? Yeah, well, what's funny is actually the first blog post I wrote for Edgeo, which we'll put a link in the show notes, was comparing React, Solid, and Quick, and mapping those to like Node, Dino, and Bun. So you think of you have like React and Node; those are like the standards. They're you know no one ever got fired for choosing IBM kind of thing. Like no one's ever going to get fired for choosing React or Node. And I don't think React is going anywhere. I think React has managed to continue to evolve and stay relevant. Like React never stayed the same. Like as soon as people started using it and it picked up, they're like, okay, we're gonna change this whole thing and make it hooks. Then when someone figured that out, they're like, okay, we're gonna change this whole thing and make it server components, you know? And every time they've done that, the ecosystem has gone with them, surprisingly enough. So I think what they've done is is pretty incredible. But there is legacy, there is things that kind of hold them back from being as performant as they could be. 
So that's where things like Solid comes in. So Solid is also like Dino. They're both been around for like four or five years. They're actually really established at this point. And they take the previous paradigm and say, we're going to look at this, we're going to look at what can be improved, and we're going to tweak those things. So Solid looks a lot like React. It has JSX, but under the covers, it's doing different things. There's no VDOM, and there's compiler, and there's all this stuff that makes it really lightweight and really performant. Same with like Dino using Rust and the just general performance kind of mindset and DX and having your tooling be all integrated. But then you have Quick and Bun, which are saying, let's actually not even try to take the last paradigm and improve it. Let's throw it out and build a new paradigm that will be fundamentally faster in ways that they can never compete with. So Quick does this with resumability that allows you to remove hydration entirely. So there is no JavaScript that needs to be booted and loaded. They just can resume the state wherever they were. And then Bun, which is using a completely different programming language called Zig, and is basically this one dude who sat down and benchmarked every single line of code that will ever be written in JavaScript and made them as fast as possible. That's kind of how I see Bun. So yeah, it's kind of a question of how cutting edge do you want to be? How much do you want to be on the bleeding edge versus how much you want to stick with nice, safe, stable tech? So lots of good reasons to choose React. Lots of cool new things that you can dive into if you feel the need to experiment. Yeah, and that's the thing about the this experimentation. I appreciate you kind of giving us our state of our ecosystem because Quick something I haven't. I've met um I met the Quick founder uh, or I guess the co-founder at, at Builder. Io? Builder.io. Yeah, there's yeah. Mishko, there's Steve, Mishko, there's Adam, right. there's yeah. Manu. They, they are, I think, one of the coolest teams in all of open source right now. I have so much respect for what that team is doing. And yeah, that's you need to get them on the show. For sure. I, I, I met Mishko at the uh, React holiday party a couple months ago. Uh, which you, you asked about Oakland before um, before we jumped on. Yeah, I, I feel like I, San Francisco might be back. Like there is some pretty pretty killer events that are happening. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, I'll never be back, but I'll visit. <laughs> uh, you, you had your tour of duty uh, here, but so I, I wanted to talk about experiments in in the context of Edgeo because like if I wonder like because that's that's the challenge of things like Bun uh, and, and Quick and Dino like. Being able to use this cutting edge technology, you kind of have to wait for AWS to make it like feature ready. Uh, so, like, does Edgeo unlock that for users, or are we still like kind of shopping around on where we can sort of deploy our bun apps? Yeah, the we are running kind of the standard type JavaScript stuff. Like, you're going to be really running Node at the end of the day for your server. There may be a point where we'll give the ability to do. Things like Dino and Bum, but I don't think that's really like a huge priority right now because the the network itself is already optimized to run Node very very quickly, and then there's their own kind of edge type thing. They're they're called like edge functions, but they're they're not exactly they're not like Cloudflare workers. They're more like a way of configuring like your CDN itself through like JavaScript. So. That is the type of thing you would do if you want to like manipulate headers and reroute traffic and and do things like that. And then that's actually built in directly to the platform in a way where you don't have like cold starts at all. So you're not like spinning up like an isolate or something like that. It's just like code that's running. So and this is like 
stuff that I'm still like the, the deep infrastructure of this stuff, I'm still like learning how it works. So some of these explanations are like not as tight as they will be in like a month or two. But the the main thing is that the whole thing is built around performance. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, you mentioned in passing, like uh, Jared had sat and like rewrote every single primitive in JavaScript into into um, Zig. Zig, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really it's like it's just maniacal focus on one single metric and then optimizing it, and that metric being time. And once you get into that mindset, then you'll be able to see the difference. And you know, there's I actually just learned this working at Edgeo. One of our competitors, I want to say which one, is using a very popular Edge function kind of solution, and they're not really using it correctly. They're basically just taking it, like rerouting it back through their own system in a way that like com- completely defeats the purpose. So it's like a lot of times, some of the things that people are using that they're being told are these like awesome, fast Edge native things are actually just kind of like vaporware, and you actually have to benchmark these things to find out what they're doing. Yeah, I love this. I love the, like where this is going. I actually I'm I'm curious um what's your thought on things like um I guess Dino has like I feel like they have a path forward like of the company around Dino. What's your thought on Bun? Do they have a path forward? What's their end game? Yeah, I mean with Dino you've got Dino deploy, so they've already created their own specific edge function thing and they're doing good because they're getting picked up by companies like Netlify and Superbase. And so companies are building their edge functions on Dino Deploy and kind of using them as like a platform as a service type thing. So that's really good because then it's not just about like, can I get a bunch of developers to use my thing, which is like a really hard thing to do when there's so many options, there's so many great ways to do this. If you can kind of nab some like really big players and get them, that's good. So I'll be curious to see where Bun goes. We do know they're going to build a deployment platform because that's kind of what Oven is meant to be. And because it's so different in terms of the language and all that, it does make sense for them to have to just build their own deployment runtime. But yeah, it's just a question of like how how much room is there really for more deployment platforms? And can Bun's you know performance really win out when they're also going to have to compete on features against Cloudflare and Amazon and us and Edgeo? And there's like you know that's then you get into network security and like they're not going to handle that stuff, you know? So. How much can you get people to buy into a single platform just based specifically on performance? Because that's where, for me, Edgeo, I think of it a, a lot like Cloudflare is kind of one of the better ones, I think, to compare it to because it's really giving you that networking layer also. And you can do a lot with DNS and stuff like that. And there's a lot of security kind of stuff built in and more kind of fine grained like RUM, real user metric monitoring. So they aren't just like giving you this thing that you can deploy and get a URL. They have all the bells and whistles that you'd actually want to run a production app. Yeah, and speaking of which, like I, I took it from the Edgeo website. You don't need to sacrifice security for speed, and I wanted to dig into what that meant. Yeah, this is cool because we are, as I said, we went through the process of rebranding. So we used to be Layer Zero, and then we had like so many different names and stuff. Now we have. Okay, I gotta make sure I get this right. There's Edgeo Applications. And so Edgeo Applications is the large umbrella. And then there's three things that, that is made up in that, which are Edgeo Sites, which is like that's like, you know, you deploy your site, you got the site. Um, performance, which is the stuff like real user monitoring and getting like the performance tuned, and then the security itself. And I can't speak too much to security yet because I haven't done any of it yet, and I'm not a security expert. That's something that 
I'll be getting spun up on in a couple months or so. But what we mean is that it's a single integrated deployment platform, the same way with like Netlify and Vercel, like they give you the analytics tab, you know, and so they have these other tabs that are there. And so they don't have like a security tab. Like there's, there's no way to kind of configure your security on one of these Jamstack deployment providers. Like that's not really a, a thing in the way that like Amazon lets you configure your security with like permissions, like all this stuff and lock things down. So that's really the, the main benefit is that you have the ability to have fine grained security control at the networking level. Cool. Yeah, so uh, I, I did want to touch on going back to the enterprise for Jamstack thing. Like, who is using Edgeo and like, when would you approach that? Would you approach this from like, I just started, a, I'm in YC and start looking at Edgeo or are we like, I'm a big corporate behemoth and I want to start tapping in? Yeah, it's, it's funny. I was talking to Ishan about this and I can say this now because they, they just got purchased. But Stebzen, when I was working at Stebzen, when I started working there, there were zero customers. And when I left, there was a single customer. <laughs> They've been acquired now, so they're, they're doing fine. But now that I'm at Edgeo, <laughs> Ishan's like, we have more customers than we can talk to. <laughs> like, We need you to start going to talk to us because we don't have time to talk to everyone. So it's lots of big e-commerce sites. And I love that because I'm finally at the point now where I can work at a company where we are running very, very legit companies' websites. And it's giving me the ability also to sit in on like really high-level discussions. I was in one discussion actually about whether to migrate a Next.js app to Quick and whether it would be worth investing $2 million to rewrite this app into Quick for the performance benefit. And the recommendation, the, the short of it is that like this tech is eventually going to get there, but it's probably not there yet for the investment you'd be making into it. So it's probably not the best bet yet. But there's ways we can get you that performance through kind of half measures, like with Party Town and reducing third-party scripts. But just it's giving me access to the real conversations around the real tough decisions that need to be made with like large traffic websites. And as much as I love DevRel, that's what you don't really get from DevRel. It's like you build demo apps, you build sample apps, you build like these toy things that are giving people a larger idea of what their applications are going to be. But if you only do that and you weren't someone who also was an engineer first, you're always going to have this kind of like imposter syndrome of like, okay, I don't actually know how to build a real application though. It's like you know it even if you like try and pretend you like can do it. So like now I'm actually, I'm really seeing like where the, you know, the something meets the road with that, with that expression. <laughs> yeah, the, the rubber meets the road. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, it's it's definitely got to be an honor to, to, I mean, I just discovered how big Edgeo was, but also that the caliber of, of customer and users of the product. Uh, and that's, that is the one thing that uh, when I was working at Netlify, uh, we talked to a lot of the, those, those level of companies, obviously. Y'all are competitors to Netlify, but it was nice to like see what people can do with the platform and have that conversation with a couple other big name folks as well. But yeah, with that, I I, I appreciate you mentioning Quick. I'm definitely going to reach out to Mishko and be like, yeah, you got to come on this podcast because I, I know he's in, he's in my time zone. Yeah, and I would like to talk a little bit about, so that's like the, the enterprise, you know, the, the company side. But really, I think where I'm going to be able to add a lot of value like right now today is more on the open source side and on the community engagement side. And they actually have a their own podcast called JavaScript Jam, 
which is both a podcast like this and a weekly Twitter space. And this is how I got to know Ishan and one of my other coworkers, Scott, is they used to do this on Clubhouse. This is how long they've been doing this. They originally had JavaScript Thursdays where they would do a weekly hangout and they would just talk about like JavaScript news, you know. So for someone who reads all the JavaScript newsletters, you know, everyone reads the same stories every week and then has a hot take about, oh, Netlify bought Gatsby. And so you talk about that. And what was great though is that they would have the ability for beginners to come up and ask questions. And I really saw that they very much cared about community and very much cared about having a welcoming space for newbies. And they saw what I was doing, you know, with like Redwood getting into open source. And like Ishan was like, yeah, this dude, like, like, like with you, like you saw what I was doing. You're like, this dude like is doing something like smart in terms of how he's getting into this. So they saw that and they recognized it. And Ishan has been a big fan of FS Jam and I met him originally because I saw him recommend my podcast to someone in the the Jamstack Slack, rest in peace. And that's how we got to know each other. And so he just sees me as like, like you said, someone who just like kind of knows what's happening in the area and knows the people and just has like a deep passion and interest in it. So yeah, I'm gonna be hosting weekly Twitter spaces. I'm gonna be, you know, communicating with more of these framework authors and just figuring out like how can we make this platform really work the best for these frameworks and give them the abilities to like really take them to their fullest potential. Yeah, and I will say like it, what I've noticed from you, and I've told you just a bunch of times, but for the listener, Anthony is so AJC Web Dev is everywhere. Uh, he is like the person you want in your live stream chat, answering your random thoughts and questions, looking for that random GitHub repo. Uh, definitely your your clutch for being part of the community. It's it's nice to see your connections now at a bigger platform to be able to make those connections even spread even further. Yeah, it's really fun because I just remember when I was getting into this and it was just so hard, like just learning to code and learning what these projects were and learning how to get a resume and a portfolio and all that. And it was like really demoralizing. But now because of Discord communities, which you got me into Discord, the first Discord I ever joined was the open source Discord because you invited me to it. So there's that and then there's these Twitter spaces and just the ability for developers to connect in real time and share knowledge and collaborate and lift each other up. I think that's really great. And that's a huge part of open source, huge part of just DevRel. And so now I can like do that with like the full backing of like a massive, <laughs> well-funded company behind me. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, open source Discord is still around. We're, we're, we're not reviving. It's been around for a bit, but like we definitely have all been distracted. We've had members leave, members come. And uh, you're not streaming as much, though, I will say. No, it's, I'm having lots of meetings as of recent. So yeah, you can't stream your VC meetings. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, so yeah, for that reason, I, I haven't had the ability to have a two to four hour block <laughs> to stream on Wednesday and Fridays. Uh, but I will come back after next week. Next week is still going to be busy. And then my commitment is at least going back to one day a week and streaming because that's where I did my exploration and got to go try out new things like all this AI stuff. I haven't been able to even even build anything yet because I haven't had the bandwidth yet. Oh man, we could do a whole whole another conversation on Chat GPT. <laughs> yeah, well, we will we'll, we'll leave it at that because uh, I definitely want to have a um, what is it Logan who works at OpenAI to to come on and chat about that uh, in the future. But that'd be cool. Yeah. Until then, I actually want to transition us to picks. Uh, so you already know what picks are, but for folks listening, these are could be music, the stuff that we're jamming on, jam picks, and uh, could be music, food, technology related. Nothing's off the the table. 
And uh, actually, I threw some picks in before we hit record, and I'll, I'll mention them. So I got these new headphones that are currently on, this uh, the Bayer D- Dynamic headphones. And um, I went down this rabbit hole of just like, you know, wire cutter, trying to figure out what the best headphones, because um, I was having issues with my Bluetooth headphones, like my Beats. And I just wanted to get some wired ones that I could just have work no matter what. And uh, this was highly recommended, these Bear Dynamics. Uh, I don't know what the actual brand is, but like literally, if you Google it, you'll, you'll find these. Uh, and it comes in in three different styles because they're meant for like audio files. Uh, so it's got the 32 ohms, the 80 ohms, and I think the 320 ohms. And uh, 320 is like... That's a lot of ohms. Yeah, and that's like if you want to have like a powered amplifier. Like that's, that's why you would have the... The, the higher rate. Uh, also, your mixers are powered. So if they have like phantom power and stuff like that on there, uh, you get a higher quality sound. And I've been using it with this other thing I got, which is called the Roadcaster. Roadcaster is like, if you're live streaming, you've done this. If you're a podcaster and you just got into it in the last couple of years, you probably picked up one of these because this is highly recommended. This is what Scott uses actually for hosting JavaScript Jam. He runs everything through his through that so we can use like real microphones. Yeah, so that's that is why I got it. It's because the Twitter spaces with the roadcaster and a real mic, uh, it's hands down, it's like night and day. Like talking through your phone or your your crappy ear airpod headphones or whatever. Like it's like my Bluetooth AirPods, the quality is so bad. <laughs> it's like it's shockingly bad. So actually the when my first interview with Redwood, I was going through like AirPods because like I was so broke. Literally, I was driving for Uber Eats and I remember trying to save up enough money so I could buy a mic for that podcast and didn't make it in time because I was that broke. <laughs> wow, that, that is amazing. They hear the uh the behind the scenes, but what was I getting? Oh yeah, so I got the roadcaster. I've been doing Twitter spaces weekly. Uh, we've been talking about open source. Uh, it's usually like a, a, an angle. Today we talked about um, layoffs and what you could do while you're laid off. Hint, open source. And uh, yeah, so it's been a great process because like I get a little SD card, which I literally just took out of my computer right here and uh, can just upload it to Dropbox. And then one of my teammates just edits down. So we already have like some cool clips that we have from it. Um, so yeah, Roadcaster, check it out. Bear Dynamic Headphones, check those out as well. You got picks, Anthony? Yeah, these are going to be very in line with everything we've been talking about. So I mentioned JavaScript Jam is our podcast slash weekly Twitter space. And it's, you know, it's, it's sponsored by Edgeo, and I do it as part of my Edgeo job. But one of the things that really appealed to me about what Ishan and Scott were doing is that they don't feel the need to like make it a thing about Edgeo, like at all. They didn't even used to say the word Edgeo. And I eventually told them, like, you guys got to at least say this is presented by your company or else people are never going to know. Your, your boss is never going to accept this. So they really leaned into not exploiting the community and making something that's just like valuable and putting it out in the world. And like, I really, really enjoyed that. And so we have complete control to bring on anyone we want to talk about anything we want. We had Matt on to talk about Netlify, you know, purchasing Gatsby, like one of our competitors. And along with that, we have a newsletter. So this is all javascriptjam.com. And I'm taking that over now. So now I'm writing a weekly newsletter where I get to like give my thoughts on what is happening in the space of JavaScript. So this is something I have been wanting to do for a while, but it's like I do so much stuff, I couldn't possibly like add in a newsletter as like another thing. But it's for my job now, so I get to do it. But still, they let me write whatever I want, like complete creative control. So that's really cool. So I would say people 
check that out. You're not going to be getting a bunch of edgio stuff like at all. You'll just be getting straight news about what's going on in open source and JavaScript and other deployment platforms. And you'll, you'll get a very good view of all the things that are happening, you know, ideally. And I also started my own stream. So this is something that I had been wanting to do because I had FSGM where I could bring on people and have like these in-depth discussions about these frameworks. And, and that's really cool because I think really getting to pick someone's brain and figure out like how do they think about this? Like how do they describe it? How do they think about what problem they're solving? Like that's really good. And I can like, sit down and have a nice in-depth hour-long interview with these people and find a million things to ask. But you never see the code. You never build anything with it. There's like a you don't really get quite as deep into it as you want to. So what I was doing is I was writing these blog posts, a first look at blank, where I would write like a hello world application and deploy it with each framework. So that was cool. But I wanted to do essentially what Ryan Carniato does. Because what Ryan Carniato would do is he would bring on all of these framework authors from like fresh and you know quick and all the all the hot stuff and he would like build hacker news usually with with all of them and so i wanted to do that but even break it down even kind of simpler so basically do the high level projects but with the simplest possible app so it's like i want to show people like how to do like a quick hello world you know because i think even just that can be useful so it's called AJC and the web devs we bring on guests from the web world and yeah, I've already had uh, a lot of really great guests. Um, so the first guest was my very good friend, Ben Myers, who is someone you should really get on the show if you've never had. He's an accessibility expert and really great guy. I did, we've had uh, Nick Taylor, who you know, we've had Ryan Carniato, Ben Holmes, Travis Waithmayer. So a lot, of the, a lot of these people are like, you know, in my network and, and friends I already had. So eventually we'll start like expanding out. But like Brandon Roberts will be on to like talk about analog. And with that, it's kind of part interview style where I'll do like a bit of like a podcast thing where I'll just talk to them about the project and then we'll just like build something like, you know, pair, pair programming, kind of like learn with Jason style. I feel like every stream is just like ripping off learn with Jason at the end of the day. So that's basically what I'm doing now. And yeah, so I'm getting to just do what I always wanted to do, make a whole bunch of educational content around cool open source JavaScript stuff. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> there's a few people that I definitely want to have on. Ben Meyer is somebody I definitely know through, through Twitch and the Party Corgi network. But we like we literally never chatted outside of like Twitch chat or Discord. Actually, I had mentioned once I need, I was supposed to put you two in touch because he built Show My Chat, which is uh, it's like a Twitch chat library. It's really, really cool. It's something that you would dig a lot. Yeah, I, I think I actually pulled it up while I was on stream and uh, was really digging it. I think I actually wanted to build something very similar. Uh, but when you, <laughs> it's like the limited time thing. So I've stopped building a bunch of side projects and I'm just focused. I had like a conscious effort last summer to only focus on open source stuff. So I, I gave up on the dream of building my Twitch chat library uh, of stuff, but happy to leverage other people's stuff. Yeah, you got you to gotta focus. Like That is definitely something that I found... You know, I definitely went too hard into I want to learn as much stuff and do as many different things as possible. And eventually I was like, I need to consolidate back down. And once you do that though, and you actually find the things that are worth focusing on, then you start to see like much more returns from continuing to engage and invest in those things. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. So 
that's all the time I have. And uh, so we're gonna we're gonna close out the conversation now. But Anthony, thanks so much for uh, for having the conversation, catching us up to date with your your current resume and uh, what you're working on. I think it's a great fit, and I think the the JS Jam folks, um, yeah, they they do some good work and. I do echo. I didn't know they were behind it. I just knew it was a thing that was happening consistently until one day Ashan DM'd me. It was like, hey, we're doing a JS Jam for um, Jamstack.conf. And I was like, oh, you're, oh, that makes so much sense. Cause I, it, yeah, anyway. Which is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you got to at least let people know that you're these people from this place. Like it was the least bare minimum. <laughs> yeah, 100%. So anyway, uh, Anthony, thanks for catching up with us. Cool. And thank you, Brian. You've been such a huge supporter of me and really an incredible mentor. And like, I have so much to thank you for. So always great to, to chat with you and get to continue to do these. Yeah, I appreciate it. And folks, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 